3: The following is a presentation of Learfield. Welcome to Duck Insider. Our whole athletic department, there's a level of expectations of success. Throw,
4: catch, touchdown Oregon. He can run and slam. back out for a three. Left wing is good. Here to center, back at the wall that we get to rep our ducks and hopefully come back to Eugene with some championships. Indoor track and field national champion. Oregon repeats as the Pac-12 champion. For the fourth time in the last six years, the ducks are Pac-12 champions. We have
5: so many teams that are excelling right now and it's really fun to be a part of.
3: is Duck Insider on the Oregon Sports Network from Learfield. Presented by On Point Community Credit Union. Better banking, local solutions. Live from the Country Financial Studio, here's Joey Mack.
4: Thank you. It is a Wednesday, which means we heard from Mario Cristobal this afternoon as the Ducks wrapped up their final padded practice before taking on Stony Brook at 4.30 in Autzen Stadium. Pac-12 Network will have the TV broadcast. We'll have a 2.30 pregame show and, of course, the live play-by-play with Jerry and Georgie starting at 2.30 on the Oregon Sports Network. Terry Johns talking with Tony Washington on the pregame show this week, and I'm telling you, awesome interview. Uh, They sat down earlier this week, Tony Washington, the former Duck, now back as the Director of Player Development. Terry John's got the chance to catch up with him. Awesome interview. You will not want to miss that as part of the pregame show. Coming your way at 2.30 across the Oregon Sports Network. GoDucks.com slash OSN where you can tune in. Before we hear from Coach Chris Ball, quick housekeeping because I got a tweet from somebody today. YouTube apparently is having problems where every now and then our stream starts at like 11 o'clock in the morning even though it's supposed to be at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know. Technology scott phillips uh, who is 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 over here with me today i think uh, is it safe to say Scott that we should just go? technology! I think there's some gremlins in here somewhere. Yeah, there's gremlins on the line, right? There's gremlins on the line. Uh, so, anyway, thanks, though, for bearing with us on that and apologies for anybody who has uh, been uh, thrown by that. Uh, it's been a little bit weird. We're trying to figure out what exactly is going on with the YouTube stream. Anyway, Coach Cristobal, Coach DeRuder met with the media today. Also, Mark Wasikowski, head coach of Oregon Baseball, is talking with the media as we speak. If you're live with us in the 1 o'clock hour, their fall tentative schedule has been released. A lot of guys on the roster as the Ducks begin to get back into their season which is going to be a lot of fun all right we've got a ton of interviews today including rob mosley the editor-in-chief goducks.com. he and i'll talk all things ducks let's hear from coach cristobal though uh, nobody cares what i think let's hear what the head coach thinks about his ducks heading into the 430 kickoff against stony brook
6: all right good afternoon wednesday practice two-minute drill real good real physical um came out ready to work in a practice and just got to keep uh keep our foot on the gas keep getting better keep uh emphasizing the details to make us better we have lots of improvement to make feel like we have made some this week and still have a lot more to uh, again to take that next step as a team and we're looking forward to seeing our fans on Saturday looking forward to that place being loud rocking having a bunch of our people there packing it up so questions please is there a decision on QB2 on the backup Backup quarterback? um, yeah we have it in house we'll let that we'll release that come closer to game time Will Robbie or Jalen change numbers this week? We'll release that close to game time.
7: Ryan Locke referred to the offensive line as kind of a ragtag group, JUCOs, former walk-ons. That was his words. How would you describe this group and especially the performance they just had? Oh, just you
6: know, real, real deal competitors. Everything's really important to them. Uh, being good teammates are important to them. Being early, uh, to do everything, max effort, doing it the right way, treating people right. This team, our culture, the organization. The right kind of guys and they're tough you know they fight through uh the things that you know typically knock guys out of practice or games they, f- they fight through so um happy with their not happy that's a bad word um enthused by their continued progress and the fact that they really they have uh, no desire to be praised they just want to keep getting better and better and you know coach Mirabal. i mean he's the best in the business doing a great great job with those guys
8: there's a lot of attention on this team, the highest ranking in a while. How has this team been able to kind of flush last week and get better and focus on what they have at, at hand well,
6: this week? I think we have a pretty good way of doing that, Bring them back to earth if they're feeling that way. I, I, we know it is what it is. There's going to be a lot of noise and attention and um, talk surrounding something like when it happens last week. You don't shy away from it and you don't ignore it, but you make sure that the main thing continues to be that, the whole um, – the whole one and zero mantra has been our thing from from the beginning, so that thing has to be put away. 24 hours after, I think by the way you practice, really determines what you allow or what you're, you know, really infusing your locker room with. And the way we practice is has not changed from the way it was the previous week. And if we feel there's a drop in intensity from opponent to opponent, it's addressed and it's it's very it's confronted and demanded in a very real way, you know, right between the eyes. And that's important for them. You know, it's important for our team as human beings development-wise and as football players.
8: You um, mentioned the importance of yesterday and today's practice. A lot of times players are doing it too. Do you feel confident of how this team's practiced the last few days?
6: I feel like we've practiced pretty well. I feel like uh, the guys are on the leadership council. They are they're really determined to maintain a certain level a certain standard that they're not willing to compromise. They understand that compromising any aspect of that standard is the equivalent of compromising one to zero. So they've done a good job, um, and everybody, everyone is just pushing in the same direction and pushing hard, understanding the the reality. To become a great football team, you have to be a relentless competitor every single day in practice and everything that you do. So. I think the approach has been real and so far so good this week.
9: On that, Mario, for as many coaches have gone through Tuscaloosa as you have, there's all kinds of ways to motivate players. None of them, and yourself included, have not necessarily employed the certain tactics in terms of rat poison or taking things publicly. But there's different ways to do it. It's not about right or wrong. There's different ways. Why have you, with who you are and the way you do it, on the field, perhaps, but not doing it publicly, whereas Nick has, over the years, done things a little bit more publicly at times?
6: Well, I think we know each other very well, and we're very real. We, Our team knows that every day when they come out to practice that nothing but their very best is expected, and that myself, the coaching staff, the leaders on the team are coming 100 miles per hour right at them. And... You ain't coming with that same speed, attitude, and intensity. You're gonna feel it. You're gonna feel it to the point where you got to bring it as well. You learn a lot of different stops. I learned a ton over there, a ton. But we implement things in the way that we feel fits our program and being ourselves. Of course, there's a lot of things you copy and but or you bring over and apply. You implement, but our approach to things are it's so direct, so blunt, so between the eyes that. We feel it's effective. Let's go find out Saturday if it is.
10: Keith Brown's a a guy that got a lot of action uh, because the linebacker's a little banged up. How did you feel he responded on Saturday and kind of what you saw from him in that game?
6: Impressed with him from a physicality standpoint, first and foremost. The moment wasn't too big because you look right away, see if a guy lines up, right? Guy gets a signal and it's noisy and he lines up completely opposite to where he's supposed to. You know, well, okay, it's too big of a moment. Lined up well, got downhill in a hurry. Threw his body around, played with good leverage, used his hands really well with strike and blockers, was involved in some really important tackles. He got nicked up there at the end, but nothing serious. Uh, all in all, it just, I would say he did a great job. And with him continuing to get more and more reps, we think he's going to be a great football player, you know. And we, we're going to push him. He knows that. I mean, I'm as hard on him as there is. I chase him up and down the field all the time. And he needs that right now. He's a freshman. Um, so we expect big things from him. And
10: then just staying there on the backers, um, you know, particularly the, the Mike and the Will, uh, looks like some guys are going to be asked to step up uh, mm-hmm. in these coming weeks. Uh, how do you feel about the depth there and kind of what you've seen from those guys and how they've responded?
6: Well, you know, the obvious thing, we took a hit, you know. So I think it's football just being football right now. Guys have developed. Guys have, from a practice and preparation standpoint, you do see an elevated urgency because some guys haven't had that many reps and they realize that the whole thing about next man up is real. And it's not just real for practice, it's real in front of you know a big crowd like that, like it was last week, and that it could be real at any moment and for any position. So there's something to the way that we practice where even the twos, threes, and fours get the same reps as the ones, where the benefit, if done the right way with full mental intensity, you can have some really good results. So I think we're seeing that, we're seeing the urgency that goes with that to prepare um, for what's happening now and in the case that happened at other positions also. So all in all, just um, progress, you know. Miles to go, but progress. Coach,
3: uh, segueing into into that, uh, almost every position has had a lot of players play, but except for quarterback and running backs. I know you always respect your opponent. There's no gimmies. But is this a goal this week, is to get some of the backups at the running back and quarterback some more playing time? I
6: think the goal should always be to play the guys that have earned the playing time that's what it's always going to be and like you mentioned always making sure that you respect every opponent and understanding that if you're not at your best you can be beat so right now that's our approach has always been our approach is making sure that we're getting the guys on the field that have earned it um it is it's not a privilege you know it's not somebody's right it's someone's duty and obligation to earn that time throughout camp the course of the week etc and we're, we're going to go with that approach.
7: PJ James. Was- one of your defensive players of the game, he's at top of the boundary corner on the depth chart now. What did he do specifically in that game with Ohio State and in practice to kind of earn that recognition?
6: Well, first of all, from a communication standpoint, he was really good. Man-to-man um, man was really good. Um, the zone concepts and passing things off, playing, uh, playing the run, was a willing tackler threw his body around. Uh, not many misses by him. He played a really good game, uh, been out for a little while. That's on him. He understood that, um, and he came with nothing but uh, a humility about him that had him working hard and earning that uh, opportunity, and he took full advantage of it and has put himself in a great position going into this week. With Keith.
11: Jabril McNeil, last question. With Jabril McNeil, what made him particularly well-suited to move inside, and how has he kind of progressed in the last few weeks there?
6: Well, he's done it before. If you watch his high school tape, um, he's played all over the place. He's a really talented guy now. I think when he I think when we put him in the media guy we listed him at two ten. He's about two twenty five now. But he played on the edge, he played inside, it was very comfortable at both. And you know, when you watch linebackers, guys that play inside, there has to be some very natural, instinctive feel to them because they just see a lot, right? A lot of things that try to, you know, trick your eyes, try to give you some eye candy and eye wash so that you lose sight of what your assignments are, your keys are. Um, he doesn't you don't get fooled with that. This guy's really natural. He's really smart. He plays and practices with a tremendous intensity. So it was very natural to slide him right in there and he had he had a really good practice. Really good practices last week and practiced really well this week. So you're gonna see more of him.
4: That's Mario Cristobal, the Oregon football head coach, meeting with the media after practice today, brought to you by the Went Valley Cancer Institute and Research Center. Fight like a duck with cancer care you can count on. Coming up, we're going to hear from Tim DeRuder, the duck defensive coordinator, met with the media today. Rob Mosley's going to join us coming up after he does some baseball interviews. We've also uh, got a number of Oregon offensive student-athletes we'll hear from, including C.J. Verdell. Stick with us. A lot of preview of Oregon football coming up on the Oregon Sports Network from Learfield.
3: After two years of construction, my wife and I finally moved into our
6: dream home. So when a bathtub fixture broke causing major water damage, I was glad we had the home insurance protection we needed. How do you know your home is protected? Talk to a country financial
4: rep like me, Nick Simon. We can help you understand your options and select coverages to meet your needs. Then if something happens to your home, you won't have any surprises. Need the right coverage for your home but not sure where to start? Visit takesimplesteps.com
6: or contact a local country
0: representative.
2: From the weight room to the classroom, on the field and off it, OnPoint proudly supports University of Oregon Athletics because student-athletes do so much more than bring us pride on game day. They bring our entire community together in Eugene and all across Oregon. So whether you're watching the game in the stadium, at home, or at your favorite local business, their success makes all of us stronger. On Point Community Credit Union. Join in. Onpointcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Equal housing opportunity.
3: Don't go anywhere. Duck Insider continues after these messages on the Oregon Sports Network from Learfield.
4: In the pretend universe, kids play with pretend guns. In the real world, it's up to us to make sure they don't get their hands on a real gun. If you have a gun in the house, keep it locked, unloaded,
3: and stored separately from ammunition. Safe gun storage saves lives. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. That's nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire,
4: Brady, and the Ad Council.
1: Uh-oh, Brad's buzzed. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's starting with the woots. <laughs>
4: Welcome back to Duck Insider, presented by On Point Community Credit Union. Joey Mack here with you. You're going to hear from Tim Deruder, CJ Verdell, all coming up. Also, got our Duck Pet of the Week brought to you by our friends at Dove Lewis. Uh, Last week it was a real tearjerker, man. This one, I promise, it's more uplifting. Uh, It's not going to pull at the heartstrings quite so much. Uh, Also, some big news today, coming for Anthony Brown. The Davy O'Brien Award announced Oregon senior Anthony Brown the National Quarterback of the Week after Brown led the Ducks to a historic win at number 3 Ohio State. Pac-12's leader in total offense through two weeks, he accounted for more than 300 yards of offense and two touchdowns against the Buckeyes, finishing finishing 17 of 35, 236 yards, two touchdowns. Also ran for 65 yards on 10 carries, and with Brown at the helm, Oregon's offense amassed 505 yards of total offense offense, becoming just the second team since 2000, and the first since 2012 to eclipse 500 yards of offense against the Buckeyes in Ohio Stadium. That tells you just how historic the Ducks played offensively. Now, Tim DeRutter, as you'll hear coming up, Ducks might have given up a few too many yards. They're working on that. But Anthony Brown, uh, one of many Ducks, Uh, Verone McKinley, C.J. Verdell also taking home national honors that we addressed last week, or excuse me, yesterday from their performance this past week. Awesome. Awesome to see that national recognition. But now the Ducks got to handle that success. And as Coach Cristobal said, it's weeks like this. Following a huge win, you know you're a good team. But to be a great team, you got to keep it going. You got to beat a team like Stony Brook here coming up on Saturday at Autzen Stadium. Let's hear from Tim Deruder. But before we do, coach a show tonight. You can watch on the Oregon football social media channels, Facebook and Twitter, also on the Go Ducks YouTube, and tune in across the Oregon Sports Network, goducks.com slash OSN for more info on the Oregon Football Coaches Show. The professor is what I call him. Alex Mirabal will join us, uh, talking offensive line and a whole lot more tonight on the Oregon Football Coaches Show. Really looking forward to that with Jerry and Jorgie. Let's hear from Tim Deruder. also brought to you by our friends at WVCI, the Wyatt Valley Cancer Institute and Research Center, the Duck Defensive Coordinator after practice just now certainly made a
9: series of stops on fourth down, had the interception, also a lot of yards along the way. So how do you kind of evaluate and assess both in real time and, and looking at the film of last week?
5: Well, I mean, the bottom line is our guys found a way to win. It wasn't always pretty. I, I liked how we started the game. I think that our, our guys did a nice job of being really effective against the run and trying to take the run away, and that, that's where they start. And I thought we played with really good physicality to do that. Um what we didn't do a very good job was to get lined up, and that's on me as a coach and all of us coaches, um, and getting our guys to you know get that sense of urgency and get the call in quick. Um, you know we're, we're playing against two first-round draft pick receivers in, in and in a quarterback with a live arm. Um, we were a little bit limited in what we did just because of you know the the injury situation. Uh, not that as an excuse, but but they're they're good coaches and they started figuring out what we were doing, um, and our guys just continue to keep playing hard. And when we had those critical, you know, fourth down plays, you know, we made three of them. Those are essentially turnovers. And, you know, I was really proud that our guys stepped up in those moments, and I think that was the difference in the ballgame.
9: When Tempo has hit you each of the past two weeks, I don't imagine it will be employed much this week. How do you go about – in practice this week, next week, to address that and 12 personnel when they were hitting you there a little bit in the third? Yeah.
5: Well, with with, with tempo, what you've got to do is is you've got to put your guys in those situations where they know the automatics that we go to. Uh, So they're not waiting for, you know, a call from the sideline. And and that's something we've practiced uh, the last couple of days. And we'll, you know, continue to practice that until we get better at it.
10: DJ Johnson's a, a guy that you turn to uh, on Saturday, certainly a guy with some comfort having played there. What does he bring to the table uh, in, in your eyes on defense?
5: Well, i would tell you, he's, he's got a lot of similar physical traits to Mikhail. You know, I think both those guys are really fluid in the hips, really good speed, ball skills, understand our uh, package and understand what offenses are trying to do. So, you know, when, when you've got both those guys at, at, at the number one position, you feel pretty good about not having to give them help all the time. And so, you know, we can play some defenses where you're you're playing man on the island out there. At times we need to, you know, give him some help. But, you know, with him and Mikael both, I think we feel as a coaching staff that They don't need that help all the time, that that they can go one-on-one with just about anybody in the country.
7: How would you assess the play in the secondary? I know the stats say one thing, but I know some of it's schematic and what you're trying to do game plan-wise. How would you you guys
5: play out there? Well, the, the, the big thing we talked to our guys about last week was Ohio State was effective in getting explosive plays. They were getting chunk plays of 50, 60, 70 yards and not having to drive. And we thought if we could keep it in front, and make them go the long, hard way that, that we would have a better chance to win the football game. And I, I think for the most part we did that. You know, we didn't let them get the ball thrown over our heads. Um, give them credit. You know, we, we had some pretty tight coverage that they hit some <laughs> – I mean, guys draped all over them, and, and they made good throws and catches. So, you know, take nothing away from them. You know, its it, it wasn't just us. I mean, we played a good football team. And like I said, we, I was pleased with the way our guys competed, particularly on fourth down. Um, and when it got down tight to the red zone, you know, of making them, you know, go for it on fourth down and getting those stops.
7: behind the thought, though, to have, I think, tri field as opposed to being boundary? What was the thought there? We
5: keep mixing guys up just so that they don't get a beat on where guys are. Um, you know, each week, you know, we're going to look for different matchups and, and try to get our best matched up on their best. Last week was particularly hard because they, <laughs> they had three excellent receivers, and it's like, you know, pick your poison. How
8: do you assess the significance of uh, Bennett Williams and just what he did? It seemed like most every tackle was solo or right near the line yeah.
5: of scrimmage. I, I thought Bennett really stepped up. You know, he's a guy that is a really heady football player, very physical. He probably doesn't have the most downfield speed, but he plays with a twitch, a really fast edge uh, where he can make plays. And you're, you're absolutely right. He had some open field tackles where if he doesn't make it, that thing may go for a bit. And he, he was solid and got guys down all the time. He, he timed up the blitz pretty good when we needed to make a stop there in the high red zone and got them off track so that, you know, we got them into a lo- third and long and then a fourth down where we got to stop. Uh, he's made a ton of plays for us. And, you know, between him and Jamal, we really feel good about that star position because both of them have that, that explosive ability.
9: You played a true dime last week. What had you seen from Addison in particular to do that, and why you chose the corner combination as opposed to putting Jamal and Bennett together? Put Addison deep, and I think it was Manning, Quez, yeah. uh, Bennett, etc. Caleb, well,
5: you know, when we get into some you know definite throw situations like we did at the end of the football game, we want to look for our best matchups, and you know we're going to mix up some pressure, some man, some zones. Um, one of the things that that I think Brian Brian does a really nice job of is playing that deep safety position because he's got such speed and range. And I, I think, you know, playing our dime package for him is ideal. And um, it's something that I think as he continues to play, he'll get more confidence, and then hopefully that will translate to more, you know, normal down-and-distance situations.
11: And after, Keith's, after Keith's
7: performance last week, what do you want to see out of him making his first start in his home state?
5: Well, you know, I'm, I'm hoping he, he stays healthy. You know, he got dinged up a little bit last week. But I'll tell you what, for, for a guy, you know, a year ago, was, was playing high school ball to have to, you know, go in, into the uh, shoe and play well. He played hard, uh, you know. Like most of our guys, he wasn't all, always right, but he was going fast. And he didn't practice a ton last week. He was dinged up as well. So, the fact that he stepped up, um, got out there and competed, I was really impressed with. And I think he's going to, you know, obviously get a lot of confidence from being able to step up and look at himself and say, you know what, I competed against a pretty good, you know, good uh, ball team, and held my own. wasn't always perfect, but We'll learn from there and keep going from there.
11: What makes Bassa
7: such a good fit inside? Bassa, what makes him a good fit inside coming from safety? How has he progressed in the last 10 days or so? Well,
5: you know, you look at him, and he slapped together pretty good. Um, He's a guy that's very, very physical, uh, smart football player. He moves like elite linebackers do. He can sink his hips, run, change direction. Um, He's a guy that can cover backs out of the backfield, so he gives you a lot of you know, possibilities as as a will linebacker that that you're looking for. He was playing the dimebacker position, you know, the first couple weeks. So it's kind of a natural progression. Uh, obviously, his run fits are, are something we're going to continue to work with because that's a little bit new for him. But a lot of things he does was was what he was doing as a star, which is you know, glorified Sam position.
10: What do you think you learned about this defense uh, that you didn't know before you guys went to Ohio? Well, you
5: know, I think I think we've got some decent depth of guys that'll compete. You know. Uh, and guys that that don't flinch in a tough environment, you know, we we were reeling a little bit there in the second half. You know, we gave up a couple drives, but in the you know late in that fourth quarter, the last three times they had the ball, they didn't score. And uh, to have guys step up, have guys like DJ who caught a first down pass, and we repped him a few times last week as a defensive end, and you know taught him a couple of, of uh, things for him to go in and get a sack when we needed to was really encouraging. Um, you, know, you got guys like Brandon Buckner who in, in a you know, third down roll can r- really rush the passer. You know he stepped up the, the moment wasn't too big for him. so getting a chance to, to see some guys, Nate hukalani I mean here's a guy who' who's walked on here and the game obviously you know, is in the balance and he's out there making plays for us and you know for all those guys to step up the way they did and perform when they had to against an excellent team. Uh, I think it does nothing but give our guys confidence, and, and it gives me confidence that no matter what happens, our guys will find a way. And what areas have you seen?
11: And what areas have you seen Jabril McNeil make kind of the most improvement, um, kind of since preseason? Well, you know,
5: it's been tough on him because he started as an outside backer for us, so he moved halfway through. He played inside backer, uh, you know, as, as a high school senior. So he, he's got some natural, you know, physical traits there. He's just got to learn the playbook a little bit better. Um, he's a little undersized right now. we got to put some more meat on him. But we think he's got a really big upside. And, and once he understands more what what to do and then puts that weight on, he's going to be a heck of a backer.
11: Playbook-wise, do you, do you feel like he's at least where he needs to be to get out there?
5: Uh, he's he's getting closer. You know, and again – was not really his fault. You know, he started, you know, at an outside and then as we, you know, had some injuries, you know, hit us, uh, we had to move him about halfway through camp to the inside. So, you know, he's he's progressing really well. He's just not quite where we want him to be.
4: Talking about all those different guys that are stepping up for the Ducks at linebacker, really embracing that next duck up mentality. That's Tim Dorrer, Oregon defensive coordinator. The next duck up on the show is Rob Mosley. He's the editor in chief of goducks.com. We're going to talk with him coming up next. Uh, all things Ducks on the Oregon Sports Network from
11: Learfield.
1: Dear exit strategy, no matter which Toyota you choose, there's an exit from the ordinary to match. See you soon. Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealer or toyota.com today. Toyota. Let's go places.
3: Dear past, present, and future football watchers, football is back! So consider this your official excuse for always putting football watching first, courtesy of Pepsi. That haircut appointment? Seeing the in-laws for the first time in ages.
6: It's been so long.
3: Nope. Sorry, Susan. Not if it's on Sunday. Long story short, after the year we've all had, we think you could use a little football watching. So crack open a Pepsi and cheer your football watching face off. With love, Pepsi. Made for football watching. That's what I like.
1: Dear Exit Strategy, no matter which Toyota you choose, there's an exit from the ordinary to match. See you soon. Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealer or toyota.com today. Toyota. Toyota. Let's go
3: places. Duck Insider, Duck Insider, Duck Insider continues after this time out on the Oregon Sports Network from Learfield.
0: Okay, forest animals, kids are coming to the forest and it's up to us to make their visit a good one. Sparrow, have you practiced the most popular bird songs for the year? Of course.
4: Welcome back to Duck Insider, presented by On Point Community Credit Union. I'm Joey Mack, along with Rob Mosley, inside the Country Financial Studio. Rob, thanks for being here, buddy. How you doing?
12: Hey, I'm good. How are you?
4: I'm good, man. It was a day of full padded practice. Uh, now the Ducks get ready for that 4:30 kickoff against Stony Brook. Uh, well, Rob, the team's looking ahead. We're going to look back for a second because that was a pretty darn cool experience at Ohio State. Uh, it was. Give, give fans the, the Cliff Notes version of your experience, your day, uh, covering that event.
12: Yeah, I was up in the press box most of the game, and it's a closed pre- press box, which some places have. Arizona State has a closed press box. That's Arizona weird, huh? has a closed press box. So, yeah, it's a little different um, experience. So, in all three cases, you're up really, really high. So, um Yeah, you wouldn't. You know, I don't know how loud it would get way up there anyway, in in any of those places. But um, went down to the field. I got down to the field just as Nebraska was scoring a touchdown. Nebraska, (laughs) Ohio State. That's that's who I've been comparing it to because of all the red, all the height, all the noise. I thought that Nebraska was louder. But uh, in consulting with some other folks who are on the sidelines, they all thought Ohio State was was definitely louder at the end, so um, that's I, why I had Nebraska on the brain. But because uh, I've been having that conversation lately, but I think it sustained just, just as Ohio State was scoring scoring a touchdown. So uh, you know, it, and it was so basically right in the fourth quarter when it was starting to go back and forth a little bit, and uh, it, the the noise was significant, and it was uh, it was impressive. But uh, yeah, the. The Duckies made the plays and uh, pulled out the victory. So it was it, it was pretty fun. You bring
4: up an interesting point with Nebraska because that's one of the ones that I've been comparing it to as well in my experience. Because everyone's been asking me, like, you know, loudest environments and et cetera, right. et cetera. Right. The way that I kind of gauge it is there, there are, you know, I've got the big broadcaster headphones on, right? Those of you who have ever seen me running around like an idiot on the sideline, that's what I'm looking like. And if I turn my headphones up full volume, right, I should be able to hear what Jerry and Georgie are saying with our wireless receiver. There have been maybe three, four occasions in my career where I have it full blast and I can't hear what Jerry and Georgie are saying. One of them was, was on the sideline during that third down yeah. at Ohio state. And yeah. I think Nebraska was maybe more, it was consistently louder, Yeah. but I think the singular moment, I thought that that third down in particular was the loudest one.
12: Yeah, it was awesome.
4: It, it was, was fun. a cool environment, a really cool environment. What a game, huh? I mean, so for you, Rob, I mean, you're, you're like me where the coaches are, are now talking about how, as Coach Cristobal put it, a good team goes on the road, wins at Ohio State, a great team now comes home, takes care of business against a team like Stony Brook. This is, could be, though, a heck of a springboard, right? I mean, th- th- this is one of those games that uh, can you look back at the end of the season and go, that's a pretty big deal.
12: Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah, and I, and I think um, in the in the immediate aftermath of the game when, you know, some folks uh, were, were suggesting that as maybe the biggest – you know, most significant win in school history, mm-hmm. um, including some folks that you know I've I've worked alongside in the press in press boxes in the past and respect a lot. Um, I'm not sure if I necessarily agreed with that. I mean, I I uh, but you know some some people I really respect thought you know suggested that, um, and uh, I, I think in, in in the immediate aftermath of that, my reaction to that and some fans' reaction was well, it depends. You know, mm-hmm. it depends on where you go from here. So. Yeah, if that's the springboard to getting to the playoff and making noise in the playoff, then certainly you might, in hindsight, say that. But um, yeah, I think uh, we'll still. You know, I was it was it's interesting because I was starting to play some revisionist history yesterday at practice, and I didn't really have anybody to talk about too. But like, there's so many what if moments in Oregon football history. I still think for me the most significant what if moment is. I think most people probably say that Dennis Dixon doesn't get hurt. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it, what if Oregon beats Colorado in the 1996 Cotton Bowl? Yeah, I could see that. Because then Phil Knight potentially not quite as salty about dropping back-to-back New Year's games, not, maybe not quite as motivated to kind of go all in and try to help out Oregon. Like, what happens if, you know, that game goes different and, hmm. and Oregon wins that game? Kind of where's the program now? That's interesting. You know, I the
4: other one that always comes to mind for me is, at least in football, is what if Dyer was, you know, down, right, a, right. according to the officials, right? And, you know, I think, I think the easiest one, though, is, yeah, Dixon. But you're right. I mean, the, you, you don't know the trajectory that a program could go on from these moments until later. Now, right. I will say I agree with you. I don't think that it's – you can say that it's the biggest win in, in Oregon football history. It's not a postseason game. I mean, yeah. I think to me, like – you know, there's so many big Rose Bowl victories. There's a college football playoff victory that come to mind. But I will say, Rob, and and, maybe, and I didn't plan on asking you this. So it's a little bit unfair, but I think that in terms of, like, a non-conference regular season game, it, it probably is the biggest one.
12: Yeah. I mean, the, the Michigan game was obviously huge. Yeah. But – and, again, here's where we get into kind of how much context matters. Because right. the fact that they had lost uh, – Appalachian State, mm-hmm. you know, so that wasn't like a vintage Michigan team. So, like, you look back, and that maybe takes the shine off it a little right. bit. You know, on the other hand, I mean, it just – the way that game introduced kind of that the, the Chip Kelly version of Oregon to the nation was – you know, that was really, really significant. Mm-hmm. Um, and And kind of where the program went from there – impacted the way we look but you know that in in hindsight we look back and say that's when everybody first got a clue of what was to come sure so yeah if this program becomes kind of what the vision for it is which is competing for and hopefully eventually winning national titles we might look back on last week at Ohio State as the time when the whole country went okay Oregon's got it going under Mario Cristobal in a way that you know even for all the recent history of this program you know they hadn't hadn't had it uh, captured it quite the same way what
4: was on my mind a ton during the game as it was truly two really really good teams trading punches is Oregon was 0-9 against Ohio State they had matched up with Ohio State previously and gone throw to throw but this felt like Oregon was on the same level as a program as a team as Ohio State and I think maybe what, what I'm getting at is that speaks to the meteoric rise of Oregon over the last 25 years, you know, and that's. Oh, cool no, we to
12: were. I, I was talking to Georgie on the flight. Like, Jorgie is, you know, not an old timer, you know. Right. I mean, Georgie's still, you know, a relatively young man to compare to, you know, some other folks who we consider sort of sage old, right. Uh, observers of the program. Georgie played in paycheck games basically mm-hmm. against Ohio State. You know, yep. he was around when it was just like, oh, we got to go take our lumps. It's just for the sake of keeping the lights on, right? And, and so you know, for for him to still be you know kind of at, at the stage of life he is, you know, he's not some old man sitting in a rocking chair. So he'll appreciate that you're telling stories this. <laughs> about the good old days. You know, um, you know. So within a, that relatively short time frame, um, it yeah, it's just a significantly different different uh, circumstance. So yeah, it's a, you, it, it is fun to keep those things in mind. Yeah, I mean, even you know, even the the 2015 Natty. Right, you know, it, you, it, you, and you look back and felt like everything kind of had to. The stars had to align a little bit, and they almost did. You mm-hmm. know, with, you know, if a couple passes get caught early in that game, mm-hmm. and Oregon gets a lead, and then you know, Ohio State has to kind of get away from just running it with Zeke. You know, Oregon had definitely had a chance to win that game, but it did feel like kind of the stars had to align a little bit. In this case, the stars aligned against Oregon almost. Right. you know, injuries. Think, on road. You know, the road. pregame, you're looking at you know, you know, we knew the flow situation, mm-hmm. you know, we knew KT's situation, you know, so, you know, we're thinking, you know, I I know I'm thinking, hey, Oregon's at the position right now where we're getting five-star guys. Ohio State's been doing that a lot longer. Mm-hmm. So when Ohio State has a five-star guy, they lose, there's probably another five-star guy ready to step up. You know, Oregon's only been stacking these classes the last few years. So, you know, last couple of years, so you're not sure – kind of if it's the same position. And then, yeah, you know, sure enough, you know, yeah, there were some talented guys. And then also just this coaching staff, I think, just did a phenomenal job at both having those guys ready and then pushing the right buttons during the game. Um, and, and so, yeah, even though the Stars were lined against Oregon, the Ducks still pulled it out. So, yeah, it was it – was, time will tell kind of how exactly we remember it. Um, but, yeah, it has the potential to be remembered pretty – Pretty fondly.
4: Now you got to win another one. You got to go one and zero every week, as Coach
3: would say.
12: Yeah, no doubt about it. And you know, I think we all we know we all know the reality of what what the situation is going to be Saturday. But uh, stranger things have happened. That's right. And uh, App State before I, I, I get I get fans who are wondering, you know, are we going to see the fifth running back, or you know, mm-hmm. will we get to see the third quarterback and this and that? Well, you better make sure you earn the right to that's right to, to see those things um you know yeah do i have every every you know faith that the culture of this program is strong enough that eventually we'll get to that point certainly but it doesn't just happen you right. do have to you do have to actually execute it and and do it right
4: he's Rob Mosley, editor in chief Godux.com. hey a couple other things that i wanted to hit on with you a really cool story on the martyrs uh, on oh, Godux.com. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that Yeah,
12: well, i felt like i wrote that like 3 months ago i was waiting it took that Sam Arter who was, who was, you know, hired uh, as a softball assistant, and Jack has been on staff here on baseball. So you got siblings now working together here. Um, but you know, Sam was hired kind of right when recruiting starts. Mm-hmm. So I had to, I, I wanted to make sure I got a photo of them together in Oregon gear, um, which happened last week on the first day that they were both in town. They're roommates, and the night before had been the first time they had dinner together <laughs> since Sam had been hired. Right. So, yeah, I wrote that, like, a couple of months ago, but it was really fun, and it's a cool situation for them, and, you know, I think their family's tickled. and um, Yeah, the relationship between them is really fun because the way they're similar, but also the way they're different. Sure. And Jack's just the most serious, you know, Sarcastic person Mm -hmm. you'll ever meet, and Sam's just you know really easygoing, and and uh, you know the the mutual respect they have for each other. You know Jack's laughing about how everybody's gonna like her better because she's nicer, and (laughs) you know she's worried that everybody's gonna realize how much how smart he is compared to her, and. Um, you know, So, again, the mutual respect, You know, the, the fun they have with each other is is fun to see. Yeah,
4: cool stuff. Uh, you can read more about uh, the Martyr Connection uh, on godux.com. Rob, the scribe, of course, uh, writing everything on GoDucks.com. Uh, Rob, I'm going to let you go. I've got about you know another seven bullet points for you, but uh, we had too much fun talking about and reminiscing yeah, gotta about Oregon i got to
13: go see football.
12: if we got some baseball interviews going on,
4: hey, too.
13: Hey, thanks, buddy. Yeah. Always appreciate it. Yeah. Grab yourself a Diet Mountain Dew, hey, will you? Thanks,
12: appreciate it. All right.
4: When we come back, i uh, going to hear from C.J. Verdell, talk a little bit about that Oregon run game, as we say thanks to Rob Mosley. And we're back after this on the Oregon Sports Network from Learfield.
2: From the weight room to the classroom, on the field and off it, OnPoint proudly supports University of Oregon Athletics because student-athletes do so much more than bring us pride on game day. They bring our entire community together in Eugene and all across Oregon. So whether you're watching the game in the stadium, at home, or at your favorite local business, their success makes all of us stronger. On Point Community Credit Union, join in. OnPointCU.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Equal housing opportunity.
5: What's
4: with Mountain Dew? Mountain Dew is like a zipline of incredible flavor directly into your brain.
5: Mountain Dew is like getting punched in the mouth with pure neon refreshment that creates a neural explosion, sending flavor shards of electric brain pulses into your very core of being.
4: Okay, maybe that's a little over the top, but you get the idea. The fact is, the mind-bending challenge of describing the taste of Mountain Dew is way harder than just experiencing it. That of course is easy. Just grab a nice cold Dew, crack it open, and toss them back. Mountain Dew, do the Dew.
3: Duck Insider, your home for the latest news on Oregon athletics on the Oregon Sports Network from Learfield. Okay, man, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're gonna go out there and be an all-star caregiver. Cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You gotta dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctors' appointments, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Show the world that you're tougher than tough. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org/caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
1: To some, the sound of a baby babbling doesn't mean much, but that's not true. They're testing out vowels and consonants and trying different sounds. And by 12 months, their babbling is beginning to take on meaning. Especially if there's no babbling at all. Little to no babbling by 12 months or later is just one of the possible signs of autism in children. Learn more at AutismSpeaks.org. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council.
4: we going to hear from C.J. Verdell as we talk a little bit about the Oregon running backs coming up. It's Duck Insider, presented by On Point Community Credit Union. Inside the Country Financial Studio. And every Wednesday, we're going to take the opportunity, and those of you who have seen it on the Oregon Sports Properties Facebook page, maybe you've already submitted your submission for Pet of the Week. We want to see the best pets in terms of duck fandom. This has been kind of a fun one for us. And this week, Chooky. Yeah, that's right. That's our Pet of the Week brought to you by our friends at Dove Lewis. The blonde one, almost 12 years old. She loves to party and swim her on her say, play fetch, and do everything and anything. Total social butterfly. That's what you love in a dog, right? You want to have a total social butterfly. Uh, This is brought to you by our friends at Dove Lewis. Uh, Big Oregon fans. Uh, Got the jerseys. And, of course, Chuki's buddy, Mosher. From the same litter. How about that? They spend their lives together, and everybody... uh, just have an awesome time. Uh, Mosier is actually Chuki's owner's parent's dog. You gotta love to see that family connection, Now that's pretty cool. Our Pet of the Week is brought to you by Dove Lewis. You can submit uh, via the Oregon Sports Properties Facebook page, and we're gonna just celebrate our furry friends here on the show every week, thanks to our friends at Dove Lewis. How about C.J. Verdell, the Oregon running back? He met with the media this week, talking about a number of different topics, and he is the National Player of the Week uh, according to a few different organizations after his performance, and Hey, I've seen him show up on some Heisman watch lists now, and you might hear some of his teammates in the background talking to him about that. Here's C.J. Ferdell. The
9: tape, your own performance. Just what did you think, getting a chance to look back at it?
14: Looking back at the film?
9: Yeah, looking back at your own self. Uh,
14: you know, I think we played well as a whole unit, uh, offense, defense, and special teams. You know, I think we all came out, put, an emphasize, put a huge emphasis on those things uh, throughout the week, and I think we just came out and uh, executed as a whole.
9: You've never been a guy to really celebrate a lot of your own success and accolades, CJ, but you earned a lot more by way of respect and accolades this week than you have before. I'm sure you've seen it. Yeah. What, yeah. Does, it start, what does it start to feel like as a fifth-year guy and you're starting to get this stuff? Uh,
14: to be honest, it it's not something I really like to look into or, like, feed into. You know, it's nice and all, but, um, uh, you know, I understand the bigger goals at hand that we have here, you know. To be honest, all I want to do every week is just come out there, practice hard every week, and you know, just uh, be be the best I can for the team on Saturdays.
9: What is where, where does some of that come from? That that mindset, that mentality that you have.
14: Um, I think it's uh, kind of something that's been instilled to in me since I was a little kid. You know, my dad always uh, he's kind of driven that mindset of you know, don't worry too much about the praise or the outside noise. You know, same people that can. Uh, Pat you on the back for doing uh, good. As soon as you do bad, you know, they'll talk bad about you. So either way, you know, I don't really look into it, good or bad. You know, I just try to play hard regardless. Mario
10: was talking about how this week, how you guys prepare and ultimately play is going to determine if you're a really a great team or a, a really good team. Mm-hmm. What, what's the mentality, the vibe been like with you guys, just knowing that you guys stay on your game against this team?
14: Uh, I think we know that. You know, coaches definitely um, hit that home um, while we was watching film about the game, telling us the same thing that he just told you. Um, and we all, we buy into that. You know, we feed into that all major league. You know, we know to in order to be a great team, you know, everybody's going to be looking at us to go out there, you know, Still be focused on the win against Ohio State and come out there lackluster against the team, but um, no, I'll focus on Stony Brook. You know, we're gonna treat them as if they're um, any other team. You know, prepare for them hard and uh, play them hard.
10: What are are some of the things that you've seen from Stony Brook, just in you know from an early look standpoint?
14: Uh, They're not a bad team. Not a bad team at all. You know, they do. (laughs) (laughs) They do things. They do. They do some things on the defensive side of the ball. You know that we're gonna have to make adjustments too so um, coaches are doing a good job putting together the game plan you know it's just up to us to e- execute. When you say about Dawson
8: Miller's development and just his ability to come in without really having playing much before, prior to this year and playing in some big moments for you guys.
14: I think it's a true testament to those guys he has in front of them those other guys you know Alex, Ryan Walk, Stephen Jones you know I'm um, taking them under, his, under, under their wing and um, showing them the ropes making sure he's good to go on everything and Dawson's a great just a great guy in general so you know he's always looking to get better.
8: You tell the depth of the offensive line has improved because they're playing still more and more guys as the year has gone on and the rotations expanded a little bit.
14: Uh, definitely, you know, Coach Mirabal does a great job always getting those guys ready. Every single one of them, you know, he treats them all the same. Uh, there's no rankings in over, over there. Everybody, um, he expects everybody to play hard and play as well as those guys starting.
9: You guys ran a lot of that unbalanced formation a lot. You, you had a couple of runs. Travis had a couple of mm-hmm. runs. The, la- the last throw to DJ there. I know you were in a running back. Yeah. Walk me through, just in your own perspective, your roles on those plays, whether you were running it or, or blocking there on that last
14: one. Uh, to be honest, you know, every play as a running back, we want to think as if we're scoring. So uh, that's that's how I like to look at it. You know, Coach Mastro does a good job telling us that. Um, see no failure or something that Alvin Kamara uses. He picked up on it. He's been telling us a lot. So, you no, every time we get uh, get handed the ball off, you know, we're looking to score. You know, we're looking we don't want anybody to bring us down, and so that's kind of the mentality. And then if we're blocking, the same thing, you know, we want to make sure we uh, do our job, our assignment, and stay in there and block so the quarterback can get the ball off. How
8: often in, even in practice, when you guys run plays and like the pulling guard doesn't even have anyone to block. I mean, that happened a couple times against Ohio State mm-hmm. where you got into the end zone and the guy's
14: supposed to block it for you doesn't just have anyone to block. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you said, Ryan Walk, you know, he got a guy to block a couple times over there. But um, I think it's just uh, a. <laughs> that's just uh coach Moorhead being able you know, scheming up scheming them up you know um, uh, calling the right plays against certain looks so that we can have those advantages
10: Talk, talking about the offensive line rotation obviously having a bunch of different guys in is something that Anthony has to deal with as a quarterback but yeah. you're running behind those guys yeah. what's that like for you just seeing that you could have that rotation and you know that those changes
14: uh, it's amazing you know cuz all those guys uh, they step up to the they step up to the playing field when it's time to go you know when their numbers called they're ready to play so i no problem running behind any of those guys on the offensive line you know i'm very confident with all of them
11: what's so all i came to a guy like
7: dj able to make just big plays on both sides of the ball
14: man dj's a, <laughs> dj's a real character he's funny but um yeah, real hard-nosed football player you know comes out here works every day uh very hard worker you know and uh, like like you said he can do anything both sides of the ball uh he's gonna make a play for us
11: you were talking during preseason about how you put a lot more emphasis in the offseason on mobility and taking care of your body are you feeling the kind of benefits of that oh most really-
14: definitely definitely you know i definitely take the extra time to come in, whether it's um, after practice or after a game, before practice, uh, make sure I come in, get loosened up, go see the treatment staff, you know, get certain kinks worked out before I go out there practice or Does that?
11: Are you like feeling better when you wake up on a Sunday now? Almost,
14: oh, definitely, definitely. You know, growing
9: up, CJ, growing up in Japan in particular, <laughs> just what that experience was like for you? Uh, it,
14: was, it was cool. To be honest, you know, my dad's in the military, so we moved a lot when I was younger. Um, I'll say I was like four years old when we moved to Japan. I stayed there for three years. Uh, it wasn't too bad. You know, definitely culture changed, uh, but I hadn't started school anyway, so I started school in Japan, so it was kind of like just like starting over there, Really, like to be honest, like learned <laughs> kindergarten, first grade, second grade, all the way over there, so it wasn't too bad. You still haven't spoken? No. <laughs> I, used to, I used to know a little stuff, but like, all that's gone. How old were you when you back? When I moved back to the States, uh, Seven. Where were you at when you were like even before the before moving there? You San said, Diego. You were in I, was San yeah. I was San Diego. I was San Diego. Were in San Diego to Japan back to San Diego. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. You guys, uh, you
10: guys had a, an earlier kickoff, uh, you know, in, in Columbus. You know, got there a day earlier. Now you kick off a little later at 4:40. Mm-hmm. How does uh, how does that change things for you from a preparation standpoint?
14: Uh, to be honest, we prepared the same. You know, we prepared the same regardless. We're a morning morning operation here anyway, so uh, you know, for us, we're, we're used to getting up early. Um, the late start will just be, you know, give us more time. You know get treatment, get stretched out, or whatever it is, um, but preparation, that from that standpoint, nothing changes.
9: What was growing up like with military family in particular? Not just uh, the Japan part, but just in general.
14: Uh, I mean, uh, like most military housing, I would say, like uh, my parents, well, like my mom, so my dad was kind of strict here and there, not too bad, but um, definitely a structured household, you know, certain things, certain way. yes ma'am, no sir, but I, I grew up on that anyway. But, um, yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy, really. You know, my dad's kind of chill, laid-back person anyway, so it wasn't nothing crazy.
4: Getting to know C.J. Verdell a little bit there and then talking about a number of different football topics. Great conversation with C.J. Verdell after practice this week. When we come back, how about getting to know one of the tight ends who caught his first career touchdown for the Ducks against Ohio State, Maliki Mataval. Going to hear from him next on the Oregon Sports Network from Learfield.
11: As my family continued to grow, I realized I'd have to replace my beloved Jeep with something that has, well, more seats. I'm Jason Hines, country financial rep and father of seven. Whether you're upgrading from your sporty ride with no room for a car seat or finally replacing your well-loved beater that still has a cassette player, you'll want the right protection for your new car. Work with a country financial rep like me and get the protection you need at a price you can afford. Learn more at takesimplesteps.com or contact a local country representative.
2: From the weight room to the classroom, on the field and off it, OnPoint proudly supports University of Oregon Athletics because student-athletes do so much more than bring us pride on game day. They bring our entire community together in Eugene and all across Oregon. So whether you're watching the game in the stadium, at home, or at your favorite local business, their success makes all of us stronger. OnPoint Community Credit Union. Join in. Onpointcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Equal housing opportunity.
3: This is Duck Insider. Duck Insider on the Oregon Sports Network from Learfield. It's 4 a.m. Monday, and you're literally sucking baby snot through a tube because she's congested. Man, that's love. And if you love her that much, love her enough to make sure she's buckled in the right car seat. To make sure your child's in the right seat for their age and size, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
4: Second Nugget Sider presented by On Point Community Credit Union. Jack asking uh, on that 74-yard romp, did C.J. feel that last guy grab his legs? He, C.J. actually said post game that he, he could hear his breath. He could hear the guy breathing as he was running down the field, and that's why he didn't look up at the scoreboard or anything like that. He just kept going. And it was a 77-yard score for C.J. Verdell, Pretty darn cool. Maliki Matavel, another pretty darn cool moment for the Ducks, caught his first career touchdown against the Buckeyes. The
7: freshman tight end talked with the media this week. Me through that play, what it feels like afterwards, especially in that atmosphere. definitely unreal. Um,
13: I, you know, trained, practiced, all fall camp, all spring ball, and just you know, seeing the play call, knew what I had to do because you know, you know, it was a play looking you know for the tight end on that corner, and you know, catching the ball, bringing it in is like unreal feeling. You know, especially in that that big environment. You know, knowing that you know kind of made it feel
7: like, dang, you know, I made it. You, you knew So the play was designed to go to you? Like you go into the huddle and you come out and you go, this one's this one's for me?
13: Yeah, if I, if I, if I do everything right, it'll come to me. So that's what I was just in my head. I said make sure I did everything right, you know, and it worked out. What's the most stressful component of doing
7: everything right in that situation? Is it the catch? Is it getting open? Or what is it?
13: You know, it's not stressful if, you know, if we keep on repping. We repped it in practice, you know, got out there, you know, it was a piece of cake. So
12: maybe you had to put a little air on that to get it over a couple guys. So you might have had a moment to actually think about it while the ball was in the air. Like, did you have any sort of moment of awareness and when the ball's in the air, like, okay?
13: Yeah, definitely, you know, I saw, saw the ball in the air, and I was like, all right, just grab the ball and, you know, score a touchdown, you know, that's exactly what happened. So, What's it like to play your second college game in that atmosphere? Unreal, you know, I walked out there, you know, when we broke out of the, you know, the locker room, walking out there and seeing, what, 100,000 people, just crazy seeing, like, you know, I'm in the environment, biggest, you know, the biggest environment of football and you know I came here to play for that reason you know content for national championships you know help this team anyway you know go as far as possible. Five e guys catch a pass
12: in that game you know for all the depth you had I mean could you have imagined that the coaches would find ways to get all of you involved like that? Oh yeah we all have different skill sets and it all you know
13: all everyone is good at one thing and it's just kind of we all kind of piggyback off of each other and all of us have our special talents and everyone is can be used for different reasons. That said, like when Pat
12: gets hurt in camp, when DJ starts getting pulled over to defense a little bit, like do you have this sense that okay, you're moving up a little bit and that you might get called on a little more frequently the last last couple weeks?
13: Oh yeah, you know seeing you know unfortunate events happen, you know it's it sucks you know because they're all my brothers and I feel for them, but you know I'm just stepping up and whatever opportunity I get, you know just maximize you know what you know what I'm giving. And how do you feel physically holding up at the line of scrimmage? You know, I feel good, you know, especially after playing Ohio State, you know, I held my ground against, you know, some of the good dudes and just, you know, make, you know, big, I'm big myself. So, you know, I'm big and powerful, you know, that's kind of my train of thought, you know, just because, you know, I'm younger, I still, you know, can compete with him. Having Cam go down early in the game, how hard is that to bounce back from and just kind of mentally get back in the game after knowing everything he's been through? I feel for him, you know, he's, you know, especially during the whole spring, you know, he was kind of like my big brother and all this. He's big aspect of where I am in my game and just to see him go down I was like you know let's do it for him and you know because he deserves everything he you know should be having and you know I just you know prayers to him and you know he'll be back and you know it's just good to know that he's you know still in our room.
4: Yeah man I feel for Cam McCormick that's really great stuff from Maliki Monteval. Track and field schedule has been released begins with the Hayward premiere on April 1st by the way everybody we're talking about outdoor track and field love to see it Oregon Football Coaches Show tonight at 7 o'clock. More info godux.com slash OSN.
3: When might you be buzzed? When you suddenly love everything.
4: You guys, I love this song.
3: I love these
2: nachos.
3: (laughs) I love our kickball league. I love this guy. What's your name? You know what I'd love?
11: A ride when it's time to head out.
4: If you see a buzzed warning sign, call for a ride when it's time to go home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council.
11: I love your car. Is this real leather? Hey, so what's a great way to spread awareness that driving high is illegal everywhere? A catchy song, of course. You can't run but you can't drive high You can run but you can't drive high Friendly reminder, don't drive high. If you feel different, you drive different. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
3: Listening to Doc Insider on the Oregon Sports Network from Learfield, presented by On Point Community Credit Union. Better banking, local solutions. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation of the Oregon Sports Network. This is a presentation of Learfield. Learfield. Celebration begins.